0: Hello and welcome to What Lies Behind. What Lies Behind is a series of podcasts that ask what lies behind, what we say and do, how we think and behave, whether it's obvious, falsely obvious, common sense notions, inherited echoes we mightn't be aware of, and seeks to risk... Surprise and challenge the givens and start conversations that matter. It also draws attention to the trampoline of language. In each episode, we have some smaller features and some larger ones. The larger one this time is under the influence, and what has you under the influence. But some of the smaller
1: features are Word of the Week. So, I'm Donald Carl from Critical Difference, and... And I'm Wolfgang, fellow observational creative, coming at you from the heart of Battersea. Oh,
0: wow. Um, Wolfgang is actually gangless, so makes him even more dangerous.
1: Um, So, our first feature, Word of the Week. Have you got a Word of the Week, Wolfgang? I do. Bloviate, or bloviating, which I thought was (laughs) quite apt considering the world of podcasts, which means to talk at length, especially in an inflated or empty way.
0: Bloviate. It does sound like a criminal offence, rather like, um, you know, is there such a thing as mendacious bloviating? I don't know. Nice one, nice one. My word is two words. It's um, from an Irish comedian called Tommy Toon, and and it, the phrase he uses is angry water. Can you think what he's talking about there? Yes, whiskey, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you uh, well, see, Wolfgang, I told you, yeah. It's whiskey, yes. Um, thank you, Tommy. Um, by the way, I just thought I'd say that tonight's episode is sponsored by Consensual Pillaging. Do you, if that's all right with you? <laughs> oh, well, okay, okay, okay. Spot the deliberate mistake. Now, we also have another short item, which is... Um, learner of the week, and my learner of the week this week, is Louise Casey, who did a recent report into the behaviour of the Met, which was very, very critical. They didn't accept it, of course. Um, But she didn't use the names of any of the recent policemen who'd been convicted of criminal behaviour and who are now in jail. She used the names of their victims to shift thinking to those who are being served by the police and who should, we should be able to trust. I thought that was a good piece of leading thinking. One other short feature, which is noticing of the week my noticing of the week was an odd one it's social media moderators who went on strike because they wanted to join a union i think this is with meta and so on in um, in germany where they have works council because the types of work they have to do is quite toxic and they were claiming their work was of social value that's an interesting one we wouldn't have thought of that five years ago with social media so that's the notice the week what do you notice let us know what do you observe how active are you OK, our main feature this week is under the influence. Now, we'd all know, wouldn't we, if you were under the influence, if you had one too much, talk wobbly, walk sideways. But can we spot where our thinking is under an influence or when or how influencing occurs? Here's two very brief examples. One, asking someone how much their house cost. Seems ordinary, doesn't it? But Ouch! says the ad, the estate agent ad, suggesting you mustn't ask, but instead ask them. So an influence here, not to think twice about it, or to think twice about it, seems trivial. Here's another example. Young women seem as stupid and worthless. Now, we'd spot that, wouldn't we? In a crime series, ITV3, a while back, DCI Banks, a young woman is manipulated by a counsellor she sought help from who eventually murders her. Now, that may have been unusual, but the assumed naivety of the young woman who will believe anything, as she's already thinking negatively about herself, based on the expectation that young women are gullible and too dumb to figure out what's going on, all of which legitimates her perceived worthlessness. Why live? Which is exactly what happened. So, how important is it, do you think, To recognise everyday examples of influencing, whether passive or active, like in ads or consumption. In these instances, we rarely use the term influencing or ask about the effects of influencing. So let me ask you a question. By the way, don't ask your granny or age. Ouch. Um, Here's a question. In Premier League football, what influences a referee to book a player? Okay. I'll return to that later. So, okay, here's a question for you. In a recent survey, what did over half of young Americans say that given the opportunity they would like to be?
1: An influencer. <laughs> ah,
0: guess, guess what? Guess what? So, what's that? Here is one representative story. It does need saying that influencers reportedly sold $3.5 billion worth of goods in 2022. It works by the influencer building a wannabe pipeline of followers on, say, Instagram or TikTok and sharing their curated life, which is resourced by commission from displaying and advocating various products, which their followers then buy. To work, this requires the influenced to fulfil two roles. To be passively active in revering the influencer's life in vicarious living, but also actively passive in obediently buying the products they advocate, one is a condition for the other. So what lies behind, would like to explore the psychology of this a bit more. And I'm quoting from an article here by Kate Eichhorn in the RSA Journal of Spring 2022. Elka, a student in New York, not studying, but completing a TikTok influencer apprenticeship, first as a verified influencer, proving who you are, and then as a mega-influencer, over 1 million followers, this involved creating up to 30 posts every day. This seemed to pay off, as later she bought a loft apartment in Manhattan furnished with designer and luxury items, including a $20,000 sofa. Her income is entirely from sales and advertising, so this seems successful. But at what cost? It involves, and I'm quoting, having to expose virtually every part of our body. She is young, white, and thin, as many influencers seem to be. But is she turning herself into an object of consumption, an exchange object, something that most women would object to? How long before the distress infection built into such social media ventures occurs? The comparison echo chamber, the tumult of poisonous judgments, and she begins to feel anxious, isolated or dislikes her own body. How much of this self-trading is self-raiding? And what are the followers, those influenced, where every belch, hiccup, flounce, and item advocacy is designed to maintain their interest? Now, is this exchange deep down? How shallow is it? Commercially, the relationship seems to work, as a marriage of connivance, a dependency brothel where I, the producer, need you to buy me And you, the consumer, is allowed to be like me. Now, is this too severe? Yes, people have to seize work opportunities wherever they can. But the use of social media is now not just contested terrain, but highly costly terrain in its effects, which we are still figuring out. What do you think, Wolfgang?
1: I definitely think attention is uh, very... Coveted currency these days.
0: Attention is a coveted currency, you heard it here. We want to explore this further in an upcoming podcast on media usage and the cost of thinking you're not political, where we will meet Anita Bagwandas and her recent book, Ugly. What Lies Behind wants to promote question-making? We ask, do your influencers make you dependent or independent? How can you build greater self-awareness? How can you ask more of your influencers to make you think, not just feel? So returning to our question earlier about the decisions a referee uh, makes in a football game, what influences their decisions. This is an example from Serie A Football League in Italy. During the pandemic, with no crowds, what occurred seemed to be the main influencer for the referee's decision, the level of foul, repeated fouling, and so on. But when a comparison was made between pa- the pandemic and after when the crowds returned, it appeared that more black players were booked than before for relatively minor infringements because of the influence of the crowd's negative behaviour towards him. So, what seems like purely individual choices are heavily influenced by structural elements, possibly hidden ones, for example like racism at work, which we need to, be, to make explicit and confront. So what lies behind says, firstly, be aware of what influences you. Wolfgang, what do you think?
1: Well, we're bombarded with so many influences these days, what to buy, what to wear, what to listen to, who to listen to. On top of all that, we are faced with a battle of ideology, whose truth is the right truth. For me, I think the... Politics of left and right wing are dissolving in some way. I think it's more about uh, libertarian versus uh, authoritarian. Establishment versus anti-establishment. Weighing up the needs of the collective with the ambition of the individual. And this is something I definitely want to discuss in later episodes.
0: And now, last word to the poets. This is Aaron Fogel from his book, Chain Hearings, and the poem is called Minimal Lives. Minimal lives. Trades rhetoric. Long lines to the teller. Shamming love for the world. So much love. This is the age where we get professional. He paints his fingernails, says, my hands are dirty. And if I find myself thinking too much, I know I'm in bad shape. Sense and sensuality burnt off by a fear of thinking. And here and there, from odds and ends, to extract an illusion of triumph. Success has its beauties, the world its ugliness. So success builds itself out of pretended love for the world, what we see, where we live. And to have more intellect than personality is nothing but the original of sin against glamour. Thank you for listening to What Lies Behind. Catch you next time. Look forward to that. Ciao, Bella from Donald Carroll and from Wolfgang.